The new thing that God is doing is like, yeah, you saw how I delivered before, but buckle your seatbelts because I'm about to deliver in a brand new way. Your soul, your soul should be percolating. The, the hairs on your arm should be standing up. You should be perceiving that I'm doing something brand new. Yeah, there was glory before, but the glory ahead of us is yet to come. All right, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I have a very special guest with me today. Um, This is the first time that we've had a guest on the podcast, but I want you guys to know that one of the most incredible things about really our life in Christ is the ability to have fellowship with other people through the Bible, be able to both look at something together and make discoveries together. And so my friend Erin Rose is with us today. Erin is a woman of many hats. She has been a pastor, a worship leader, loves the Lord, loves the Bible. She's a real estate agent. She's a baller here in Richmond, Virginia. So I am so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us, Erin. So glad to be here. Yes, I went from worship leader and pastor to um, a peddler of homes, but I love that. And I still love the Bible. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be with you today, Nicole. You're my home girl. Well, and in many ways, most of our listeners are not in vocational ministry. They're out there in life. And that's when you need God's word the most, when you're out in the everyday world, because it's crazy out here. That's right. So we're in this series um, called New Promises for a New Year, and we've looked at promises of God saying that He'll give us a new heart, that He will give us a new mind, that we've been made a new creation, and you've selected our passage for today about a new thing. So I'd love to ask you, in the way that we do on this show, is we just take a deep breath And we bring our mind and body and heart to this moment. And I'd love to ask you to read our scripture for us today, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So we're coming from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I love this verse. I get chills when I read it. Um, This is what the Lord says. Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Can you read it for us one more time, Erin? And as we read it, we're going to think about our first question in the Alive Method. What does it say? So I want to invite you guys, as you listen to Erin, listen for the words that come. This is a beautiful um, picture and of imagery. So if you want to imagine it in your mind, as we look at what kind of comes forth from the passage. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So Aaron, when you read this passage, I'll start with you and then I'll go to me. What stands out to you? What observations do you have about these verses? Well, um, so... When I'm looking at it, so I'm not reading this in a vacuum. It's surrounded by other verses. So I'm when I'm looking at the passage in Isaiah 43 in my version, which is the ESV, um, I see like, you know, the editors of the scripture have put quotations around it. This is something that God is expressly saying. I know that because of the previous content in the verses that preceded it. 
Um, and so what sticks out to me is like, why is God saying, don't remember the former things? What are the former things? What are the things of old? So my first thought is, oh, he's probably talking about like, don't remember your sin or don't remember your sadness. Don't remember, um, you know, the things that were tearing you down and not building you up because I'm going to do something else. But if you look in the previous verses, God is doing a super flex. Like if you look at verses, even verse 16 and 17, it says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse. This is Isaiah writing all this about God. They lie down, they cannot rise, blah, 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 blah. God is doing a serious flex in the verses preceding. It's just like, look it, I'm God and there's nobody like me. There never has been. There never will be. Who brought you out of Egypt? It was me. Who brought you into the land of promise? It was me, period. And so when I get to verse 18 and I'm seeing, remember not the former things or consider the things of old, it really feels like the new thing that God is doing is like, yeah, you saw how I delivered before, but buckle your seatbelts because I'm about to deliver in a brand new way. Your soul, your soul should be percolating. The, the hairs on your arms should be standing up. You should be perceiving that I'm doing something brand new. Yeah, there was glory before, but the glory ahead of us is yet to come. So I'm getting ahead of us, but I know. And you know, I love that because I do that on this podcast all the time where I'm like trying to stay in the framework and be like, okay, let's just do what does it say? So you put a few things together, which is awesome, but you did the most important thing that I'm always trying to help us all do, which is when we read a passage, the first thing you should have is questions. So you started there. You said, I'm asking myself the question, why is this in quotations? What happened before? What's this about? And then you mentioned like your own way of being like, well, what I what I immediately think about is that this must be about regret. This must be about sin. This was, which is awesome because you're letting us into this thought pattern of how we actually engage with the Bible. We don't just receive it passively. We just, it's a conversation. Like God's inviting us to a conversation and the spirit of God is at work when we're doing this together. And I like love what you said because I didn't rec- I didn't see that the way you did. And I'm now got, gonna like bring it up a notch to what's the backstory. And you mentioned this. You said God is like flexing because he's remembering. And so we know, like for those of you all who are familiar with your Bible stories, obviously verse 16 and 17, where it says, the, the Lord made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army. What is that referring to? For you, Aaron, when you hear that, like, what do you think God is like calling us back to? A big part of, and I'm trying not to get super deep and like, let's talk about things because I went to seminary and I can go, you know, super deep. We both did, Nicole. Um, but what I think about is like, okay, makes a way in the sea. What's the biggest story I can think of that exists that talks about making a way in the sea? So my mind goes back to the story of the Exodus, when the people of Israel were being brought out of Egypt with Moses leading them, and they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. Um, and it says a path in the mighty waters. Of course, the Red Sea was a mighty waters. A whole people traveled through it, who brings forth chariot and horse. We do know at the end of the story, it gets pretty dark. And um, the people of Egypt um, that were pursuing the people of Israel to like cut them off at the pass, um, the people of Israel went forth on dry land, but the the people of Egypt, they were, they were drowned. Horse and chariot was drowned. Um, the Lord closed the ocean, uh, closed the sea right back on top of them. Um, so that is 
I mean, one of the biggest like remembrances for the people of God. Like if God did this, God can do anything. Or if God doesn't do anything else, at least God did this, this one big, huge thing. So that's the thing that I go back to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where you started making that connection of being like, God's calling us to remember. And um, when we get to the third question in our framework, what does it mean? That's where I've always say this to our listeners. That's where understanding the Bible, growing in your Bible knowledge, growing in your really understanding of who God is becomes really important. So we're kind of here as like guides and coaches for our listeners to be like, hey, actually that does matter because what we know from Genesis to Revelation is that God is consistently telling a story of rescuing his people from bondage. So that's the story for us too. It's just our bondage looks different than the than the like Israel's bondage in Egypt. But we're still, Jesus really calls us to that like new story. So when you go to like, what does it mean? And you think about principles that we can pull from this, like you already have started to mention them, but what are some of those principles that come forward for you? What is God teaching us about himself? What is he teaching us about us? What is he teaching us about the interaction between God and us? Yeah, that first question is, I think the most important and foundational to any sort of understanding for us, um, looking at what the passage reveals about God. Um, so I, I think what's important for me is to, when I'm first looking at scripture, remove myself from being the object um, and look at what's revealed uh, about the character of God in this passage. So um, if I'm looking at this and God is saying, don't remember the former things and the former things were places of victory or consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I, I'm thinking about like God was speaking to a people in captivity. They were in Babylon. They were a people who were outside of the land of promise. Um, and it was a dark time for them. It really was. It was going, I mean, they were going through it. It was not fun for them at all. 10 out of 10, do not recommend captivity. Do not recommend exile. Um, and so God is, I mean, what I'm first seeing is God is speaking words of comfort to his people. That's the type of God that God is, a comforter. Um, but also, like you mentioned before, these words, like, I'm going to do a new thing. Behold, like, do you not perceive, like, God is really pulling at his people, but also being like, yo, I got you. It is, it is terrible right now. It does feel uncomfortable, worse than uncomfortable. Your life doesn't look like anything like you imagined it would look like. But I'm telling you, I've brought you out before and I'm going to bring you out again and even bigger and even better. So those are just some of the types of principles. Like you said, like God has always rescued his people, is rescuing and will continue to rescue his people. So good. So our final question, just like you said, the whole idea behind this method is we're trying to open our eyes to what God is trying to say, not what we are trying to say through the scriptures, but really what God's trying to say. And once we get to those principles, and you mentioned like God is a comforter, God has rescued before he will rescue again, then we ask the question in our personal devotion time, what does this mean for me? The whole idea there is like, we are not just receiving Bible knowledge for the sake of knowledge. We're receiving knowledge for the sake of transformation. So when the Spirit of God brings you to a passage, it is because He actually has something to say to you. So I would love to know, Aaron, for you, like when you read this passage and you work through those principles, what does it mean in a really specific way for you today? 
so God is going to be the same to all of us. Like that's just God's way. God is so gracious. And I mean, over the top and goodness and mercy. Um, I think that when I, I think about the example of Israel and, you know, their ups and downs, backs and forth, back and forth, it reminds me of myself. I'm like, Israel is me. I am Israel. Disobedience, you know, and then being like, oh, I'm sorry. And then God coming back and like coming to get me like. And I think that um, there are moments in my life where it just has felt super dark and my life didn't look the way I thought it was going to look. Everything was just, I mean, whether it's a result of my own choices or things that were beyond my control, the life I was living just did not feel like the life, the abundant life that I was promised. Um, and, you know, to look, to comfort myself, I'd be like, well, at least God did this or like, at least, you know, fill in the blank. But whenever I, the Holy Spirit brings me back to this scripture, it's really like a reminder, like, girl, I see you. I remember you. I know you. I know where you came from. I know where you are and I know where you're going. So, yes, I've done amazing things in the past, but use that to as a foundation. Like that's not the max. What's coming is going to be greater than what's been because that's just the type of God that I am. And so when I, you know, when I hear messages like that, I'm not going to put any expectations on how God is going to deliver or how God is going to rescue me. But it does bring me comfort to know that like God is continually forming and reforming, making and remaking. When something gets deconstructed, God often time after time, reconstruct something that's even greater, even deep, even deeper, even more beautiful than it was before. Even when I think about because of the circumstances of my life, because of what's going on in my life right now, what I understood of God feels destroyed. It feels like, God, I thought you were this way. And this is something I'm receiving something completely different. I have found that every single time I have been in that place, God has reconstructed an image of himself, an understanding of himself that's been even more beautiful, that's even more righteous, that's even more just, that's even more holy, that's even more, I mean, amazing than what I conceived of before. So, I mean, I, it takes the people of Israel, we're in a dark place. Like for these types of promises to ring true, you are going to be in a dark place. And that's something I see in these scriptures a lot. It's like, you know, when God is talking to his people, God is talking it to people who's going through it. You, we as believers are going to go through it. That is almost guaranteed. But the promises are even better and even more richer because while we're going through it, God is right there with us, carrying us through it, promising to bring us um, to uh, an expected end. Yeah, I love that. Love, love, love it. And I've been like, holding back all my thoughts so I didn't interrupt you. So now I'm going to say, okay, what does this mean for me? Like my big thing, just to like add on to what you said, which is is amazing and so true about God's character is when you said, well, God's people were going through it. The thought that came to mind was like, don't disqualify yourself. That's what came to mind was like, oh my gosh, so many believers, they they struggle, they fall, they fail. And they're like, that's it. 
God's done with me. And actually like that's the work of the enemy because that's creating distance between you and your heavenly father. It's not creating closeness and it's not, it's not grace. And this verse to me is what, how the, the, the mechanics of grace are represented in this verse. And I just am like, stop disqualifying yourself. You guys like stop thinking that that failure, that regret, that thing, the way that you just like, don't are not perfect. Hello. We're not perfect like keeps you from God because God's saying, no, I'm doing a new thing. And I'm using this trouble, like you said, to reconstruct your image of me, to reconstruct your understanding of grace, to like bring you to new levels of redemption. I mean, you're right. Like these guys failed like we do and they went back and forth like we do and they waffled like we do and they were totally unfaithful like we are. Um, And yet God continually says, you guys are Israel. You're Israel. You're my people. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. This is what grace is. And that is what the new thing you and I both know. Like, in addition to the new thing that God is always doing in us, the new thing from this passage is really a, a harbinger of Christ. Like, like God saying, like, hey, you thought, you thought coming through the sea was a big deal. Wait until I redeem the whole world through my son, you know. So that's what we're about today. Okay, you guys, new promises for a new year. We always want to keep you like in that space, wherever you are, doing your dishes, taking your walk, taking your drive. I hope that you'll go and read these verses. If you need a new thing in your life, I want you to to pray these verses, believing that this is the God that you serve. This is the God that you love, that loves you, that is present and active and working in your life. Erin, thanks for coming on How to Study the Bible. We love having having you. And um, we will see you guys later. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at nicoleunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.